Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Felicity Huffman got two weeks in jail for paying $15,000 to rig her daughter's entrance exam scores. She's the first parent to be sentenced in the U.S. college admissions scandal. What kind of message does her sentence send to other parents who made a deal, to those who are fighting the charges, and to the public? Joining me is former federal prosecutor Robert Mintz, head of the White Collar Practice at McCarter in English. So, Bob Huffman did everything seemingly right after she was charged. She was the first parent to plead guilty. She expressed remorse. She apologized. But does 14 days seem like a light sentence? Well, you're right, June. Felicity Huffman followed the defense playbook perfectly. She admitted her wrongdoing immediately. She had expressed an enormous amount of contrition, took full responsibility for her crime. She felt sorry for what it did to her daughter. And she specifically referenced the impact that it had on other students who had legitimately gotten into the school based upon their own merit. So she did everything that could have been asked of her by her defense counsel, yet she still wound up with 14 days in jail. And I think that's because the judge did not want to look like she was treating this as something that wealthy and affluent people could buy their way out of. This is already a case that pits those with money, those with access, those with power against those who don't have that. And that's really at the heart of this case. So then you think that her sentence was harsher than if she'd been an average person? Well, the government was only asking for one month in jail here. So the defense was asking for probation. The judge ultimately essentially split the difference by giving her two weeks in jail. So it really was kind of a compromised sentence. But for somebody in Felicity Huffman's position, the idea of spending time in jail is something that I think sends a very strong message. And it's also important to remember that, as I said earlier, Felicity Huffman only paid a $15,000 payment. So to the extent that judge considers the amount of bribes as a factor. Hers is on the low end. She also was one of the first people to come in to plead guilty, to accept responsibility. So this really is now the floor that other defendants are looking at who have entered guilty pleas here. It's likely there will be jail time that's handed out by this judge as to all the other defendants. Let's talk now about the 19 parents who chose not to seek a plea deal. Indications are that some of them are going to try to basically indict the system, saying there isn't any difference between what they did and making a huge donation to a school to get your kid in. Do you think that defense will work? Well, that is exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to put the entire college admissions process on trial. And the judge has already made a couple of comments that indicated that she believes that the system is somewhat broken. She made a comment at one point saying outrage is a system that is so distorted by money and privilege in the first place. That's the outrage here. And she acknowledged that there are cracks in the system. So she knows the system has some problems, but I don't think she's going to allow the defense lawyers to make this trial about the college admissions system. And all Ultimately, the second prong of the defense here is going to be to attack the credibility of Rick Singer, the admitted mastermind of this whole process, the fraudster who pleaded guilty, who was the architect of all of this. His credibility will be central to the prosecution 
Jones's case and to the defense case, because the government has to show that these parents knew that this money was not simply a contribution to the university, but in fact was money that was funneled to athletic coaches as bribes or as payment for people to take tests on behalf of their children. That's what this case is ultimately about, and that's why the credibility of Rick Singer, the cooperating witness, is so central. Another celebrity, sitcom star Lori Loughlin and her husband are making what seems to be a little more sophisticated argument. They contend, the defense is contending, that the couple were giving legitimate donations to the charity set up by Singer, a real charity that supposedly supported opportunities for underprivileged students. Is their defense a little more viable? Well, it still comes down to the credibility of Mr. Singer. Those checks were paid to this charity, and according to the government, that money was then funneled to coaches who would then put a priority on those students' applications, saying that they were going to be on the rowing team or the tennis team or some other sporting position in in the college, when in fact these students may not have even played tennis or did not row competitively. So this was all part of the fraud. And according to the government, these contributions to this charity were really bogus. There were simply ways to funnel these bribes to the coaches in the university. The government's going to have to prove that case. They're going to have to prove it through Mr. Singer. The defense is going to argue that the checks were written out to this legitimate 501c3 charity and that the parents had no reason to know that the money was being used as a bribe. And the jury will also see the way that the things were handled by Singer. Yes, and that's exactly where the government is going to try to rebut that argument that this was all on the up and up, that this is perhaps a situation where money and power should not influence admissions into our colleges and universities, but that's just the way the game is played right now. They're going to say this is not a case about whether alumni and money contributions should affect somebody's admissions into a university. That's what the defense is arguing. That's not what this case is about. These defendants knew, in fact, that they were fraudulent misrepresentations made in their children's applications to these universities, admitting these students based upon the fact that they were a competitive rower when that wasn't the case, or admitting these students based upon the fact that they were going to play on the tennis team when they did not play competitively. It's those direct misrepresentations, those false statements that the government is going to argue were the heart of this case, and the defense is going to have to argue that those statements were not false at all. If they go to trial, if parents go to trial and they're found guilty, will they suffer at sentencing time in a way that Felicity Huffman didn't by pleading? Well, that usually is the case. If you put the government to its proofs and have to go through a trial, you don't get acceptance of responsibility points. And, of course, the judge then sits through the trial. If the parents take the stand and testify in their own defense and the judge were to determine that they were not truthful in their testimony, that's a way to enhance their sentence as well. So as a general rule, if you go to trial and if you lose, you wind up with a sentence that is going to be longer than if you took the government's plea offer and did not go to trial. Thanks so much, Bob. That's Robert Mintz, former federal prosecutor and a partner McCarter in English. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.